I'm David Clayton, and this is the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. Well, hello, Endow Women. This is Simone Rascala here, Director of Program Growth, and I'm so excited to be talking to David Clayton again. I don't know if you caught our Instagram live interview a couple weeks ago, but I very much enjoyed interviewing David Clayton and his work at Pontifex University, where he is the provost. So David, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, here's, here's the two-minute version. Uh, hello to everyone. Great to see you, Simon. Um, so I was brought up in England. Uh, those who've got a, an ear for these things will have spotted the accent already, I'm guessing. Um, and... Uh, converted to Catholicism something like 25 years ago. Um, instrumental in that conversion was meeting somebody who took me through a set of spiritual exercises even before I became Catholic. This was something like 30 years ago and that um, really gave me a faith and he encouraged me to do this by saying that I could have a, a good life and a happy life and that became um, my most recent book, which is called The Vision for You, just describing how he sold this to me and what he told me to do. So, and I know you're you're just reading through that at the moment, so we'll get to that in a yes. second, I think. Um, well, as part of my personal vocation, part of my goal, uh, uh, um, it wasn't to be a Catholic. That happened along the way, although David was very subtly directing me in that. <laughs> In that, in pushing me in that direction. Uh, he knew what he was doing. Um, but um, I wanted to be an artist. And then when I became Catholic, I wanted to serve the church. And I felt I couldn't find anywhere to train. And so uh, I decided to found a school and enlist as its first student. Um, I then realized that I wasn't even going to be able to find the teachers. I could find somebody who had a bit of this and a bit of that. Um, and so, because I was doing research into how artists had been trained in the past so that they uh, could create beautifully, could be open to inspiration um, and open to God's grace, as well as having the skills. Um, and so uh, then what I did, I, I basically applied that training to myself as best I could and wrote a book about it called The Way of Beauty, which is a, about education, uh, start re really an art education as it was traditionally, but making the argument that this should be in everybody's general education, because who doesn't want to be creative and open to inspiration? Um, I, I, at the same time, I came to the US, something just about 11 or 12 years ago, uh, and I got a job first as artist in residence at Thomas More College of Liberal Arts in New Hampshire. And that's when I started to blog and write in earnest. Um, and the books came out of that. Um, then four and a half years ago, no, five years in October, um, I published the book, The Way of Beauty. And as a result of that, um, some people approached me and said, we've just read your book. We would like you to be, to, to head up in a sense that a, a new uh, project, which is an online university called Pontifex. We'd like you to be the provost and we want the way of beauty to be the um, ethos which runs through all the courses. So I did that. Our first program was a master of sacred arts. Um, and we now have uh, 
a Master's of Theological Studies and a Theology Doctorate. And then also working with Christopher West, who many of you will know, we have a master, Master's in the Theology of the Body and the New Evangelization. So that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, quite a life, David. Well, I'm actually, as you mentioned briefly, I am reading your book, A Vision for You, and I'm enjoying it very, very much. And I think it really confronts a need that many of our endowed women have because endowed women are very diverse. There are some women that are stay-at-home moms and, and, and wives and others who are working professionals as well as moms and singles. So there's, you know, an endowed woman isn't, um, you can't just put her in a box, but all of them are women who want to grow in the intellectual life of the church and are faithful daughters of the church or, or on their path there. But you know, I think a vision for you, it, it, it's, you know, you, you can have your primary vocation figured out, perhaps, perhaps you're married or have taken personal vows for celibacy or, or single or whatever that primary vocation is. And then you might have your job. But then there's also that that special vocation where you have certain gifts and charisms and want to build up the kingdom in your own unique, unrepeatable way. And I think that's kind of a need that vision for you fulfills so can you can you talk about that a little bit more yes so the uh, the idea behind this is that first of all god wants us to be happy and uh because he made us to be happy in him and for the most part um our calling signal our calling is a call to happiness and um if we want to do something uh, there's every reason to believe that it's, the desire is planted there by God. It's actually what's taking us to him. Mm. Um, now, you have to sift through that um, and weed out any, any sort of obviously wrong motives. And I, I don't mean... Um, so it doesn't, we're not saying that it has to be a holy pursuit in that sense. Yeah. It yes. can be something very straightforward and ordinary. Some people want to be a gardener or mow lawns or something like that. If you if you really enjoy doing that, that could be it, as long as it's not intrinsically sinful. Yeah. And the other thing is that um, it is in order to be able to do that and to have a greater chance of working out what that calling is and being able to listen to it, we need to, uh, according to this process, we need to free ourselves from resentment and fear and unhappiness. And the spiritual exercises that I was given. 30 years ago now by a, a man called David Bertwistle. They actually are a rigorous way of looking at ourselves and freeing ourselves uh, from really anything that causes unhappiness, which always is sin. But I'm, I, this is not to rub your noses, okay? That this is, a, it, this is sin as perceived just simply as a, a rupture between our relationship with God. Um, so, um, and always it's because I'm focusing on myself rather than God. And it's just a way, this process allows an analysis that um, allows, uh, facilitates, shall we say, that process of coming back to God and receiving his mercy. Um, and it worked for me even before I was Catholic and led to my becoming a Catholic. Um, I love that. 
I um, loved. I, lo I loved in the book where it says, "If you're miserable, it, you have to take responsibility for that. You're miserable because because of you, and not anybody else." So yeah. it immediately puts the responsibility in your hands. At the same time, affirming your desires, and even I would say, with disordered or sinful desires, there, if you if you scale and peel and discern beneath all that, is actually a good and true desire. And and I think you're trying to say, let's let's hit on that to unlock whatever it is that that God wants you to contribute. Yes, and so rather than saying most things, that most desires are not bad in themselves. They're just, they're just, we just invest too much importance <laughs> to them. In other words, if everything is ordered to our desire for God, pretty yeah. much everything can be good. Um, and so usually the problem is that we're expecting to gain happiness from something that is not God. And the irony is that once we can start to look to God, and I needed these exercises, I have to do things, uh, actual, actual, actual you know, things like write a gratitude list out. These are the things I should be grateful for. Thank you, God, for this. I have to do that each day. Yeah. Um, but when I when I do that, then it actually um, informs pretty much every aspect of, of my life and tends to order it you know so i have my moments and i you know i still need to go to confession like everyone else but um it's it produces that sense of a direction and an order um and a trust and so once we've established this the, the question that david asked me which opened this up for me he just said if you had so much money that in fact you never needed to work again for the money what activity would you choose to do Oh, great question. Uh, if, if you, um, nine to five, five days a week, what do you love doing? Um, and then we would discuss that. And um, I've taken a lot of people through this process myself. And very often people are afraid to answer that question because they think that it's a stupid answer. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt reading. Yeah. I was like, oh no, I have to, I have to censor myself to myself, which is silly. <laughs> but, <laughs> There are there are ways of of leading people through this. So, for example, if you imagine that people say, "I don't know," but when I was seven, I wanted to be a train driver. You right. say, "Well, it might be that that's what you 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 can do." But let's look at what it is as a seven-year-old that mm -hmm. you perceived was so good about being a train driver. Um, yeah, was it? And how might that relate to you as you are now? So you can ask questions like that. And then the other point is that um, in reaching for this, the way we achieve it, and this is something that David taught me, is you just go one little step at a time. So you go from where we are now. Um, you don't give everything up. You don't abandon the responsibilities of life. We still do the things that are necessary to put food on the table and keep a roof over our heads but you just do one little incremental step. You carve out, even if it's an hour a week that, that's pursuing this. And as David said to me, if, if you're going closer to this goal, eventually you'll get there. And what happens is doors start to open up in front of you of what it's meant to be. And the point of this is not that you will end up necessarily doing what you're aiming for. Um, it's really just governing the direction in which you're going. Because right. um, the, the, the chances are that what you will end up doing, certainly this is my experience, 
is something that's way beyond your imagination. I, I didn't know that people do what I do now. It, it, it wouldn't have appealed to me at the time, and I just didn't know it was possible to earn a living doing it. Um, so it, it was, I would have been incapable of spelling that out as a goal. And so when David explained this to me, he said, remember that this um, ideal that you um, describe is not a, a high bar, it's, it's a minimum. In other words, the only reason very likely that you're not going to get it is that you discover along the way that you want to do something even more and you mm -hmm. realign your, your goals. It really is a, it really is prayer in its heightened sense because you're taking yourself seriously, you're taking your desire seriously, which you recognize God putting you first, but then God himself is then directing you to something even greater or to use the language in your book beyond your wildest imagination and, and then some. And so it's this like great dialogue in prayer where you, you know, you can't predict what God will do. And, and then it's a beautiful surprise. That's right. And the, the wonderful thing about this is we don't have to plan or organize the whole thing every step along the way. Right. Because um, I find when I get into that, I, I lose my Christian freedom because it, yes. well, every day for my life is now planned out till I'm dead. And there's no fun in that. And then I then I have to remind myself of something. I think it was Tolkien that said that inconveniences are adventures wrongly considered. <laughs> and and then life becomes interesting again. because. Yeah. I'm not the one primarily in control. So, so with this recognition, and so endow women, if when you're listening to this, and if you're listening to this, um, this recognition that beyond your job, putting food on the table, or your your profession, or whether you're married or single or whatnot, religious, um, that there is this other this personal vocation that, you know, perhaps needs to be flourished. Um, uh, and, and blossomed, uh, which I think a vision for you is this like great method to to bring that out or and to recognize and kind of work through that. And I'm doing it for myself right now, so I'm really enjoying it a lot, a lot, David. So it's very, very lovely and providential meeting you and becoming friends with you. I'm really enjoying it and challenged by it. And I think there was one spiritual exercise in the book that I thought, well, I, I kind of know that I'll skip it. And then the next page says, don't be tempted to skip what you think you and maybe you have already done the work, but don't be tempted to skip. I thought, oh gosh, <laughs> how he's reading my mind, creepy. Um, but, um, but there are opportunities, I think, with Pontifex University that can be the answer to some of our endowed women. So can we kind of walk through the opportunities there? Yes. Yeah, so it's funny that because this came out when we were discussing uh, the situation of many of the people that are uh, yeah. part of endowed. Um, so Pontifex is online education. So the first thing is that it offers courses which can be done at your own pace, according to your own uh, schedule. And you can do them for audit or for credit. It's up to you and then you get a different price for each. Um, at, at a, they're very reasonably priced. We work, we work at thin margins and we're on a mission really yeah. to turn education upside down. Um, as far as I'm concerned, so much of it is a scam of course Yes. Escalation, um, <laughs> yeah. generate themes. And, um, and so we're trying to work outside the system and really bring costs down. So we, for the most part, we've succeeded so far. Lovely. Um, and we have 
three programs. One is this Master of Sacred Arts, which is a, an intellectual formation for anybody following any creative pursuit. It's about Catholic culture and the, the sort of spiritual formation and cultural formation that would have been given to artists in the past, which means there's a lot of scripture, a lot of relating that to worship, and also description of the forms in the culture, with a strong emphasis on the visual arts, because that's what I know about. But I think people will be able to draw parallels with any creative pursuit uh, that they follow. Um, but you, you don't have to sign up for the whole programme. You can do the master's programme, but also you can just do one course at a time and right. take it as you, as you want to. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also, uh, we have just teamed up with Christopher West and the, the wonderful people at the Theology of the Body Institute. The, the person there actually who contacted me first was called Bill Donaghy, um, who does a course called The Way of Beauty for, for the Theology of the Body Institute. And he okay. said, I think there's a connection between our approach to things. And I talked to him, and through that, um, we now have. Um, a, a master's which we offer jointly so uh, this is a, a master's in the theology of the body and the new evangelization mm -hmm. and so part of those credits are attained by attending the workshops that the institute teach and then part of them uh, through our online courses um, and so uh, i know there's a lot of interest in that um, and then our third program, we've got more in the pipeline, which I'm not at liberty to talk about. The third one <laughs> is um, a master, or really third and fourth together, a master's in theology, master's in theological studies, which is all a 30 credit um, class based or coursework based masters. Um, but what that does is, is um, that represents the coursework then for a theology doctorate, which is a pure research degree. And if somebody already has a master's in theology from a, a Catholic university, in other words, it, we, we're happy that the content is consistent with the magisterium, that's what we're concerned about, um, you can then miss out that uh, master's level and go straight to research in the theology doctorate, a THD. Um, and this is more in the model, actually, of the English education system, where there isn't a, a strong requirement for coursework at the doctorate level. You just do it as, as is needed. Um, and so that would be, again, is something that you can do at home. A lot of the people that we actually designed it. So this would give you an indication of what we had in mind was priests who have an STL very often. Mm. And all they have to do is submit, they've done all this coursework. Um, and we imagine that many of them are happy being parish priests. They don't want, they don't want to, or maybe are unlikely to be then sent to Rome to do a doctorate by their bishop. Uh, but they're interested in pursuing something academic. They don't want to lose touch with it. And so, this is a, a program which allows them to produce a thesis, and it's a significant piece of work. It's not an easy option. You know, this is 50,000 words uh, minimum for a thesis, so it's, it, it, it's, there's rigour there, but it's all focused on the research phase, 
which means that people can uh, pursue this um, and fit it into a, a busy life to a degree. Right. So, so there's no strings attached. You can just take classes. Yes. There's a number of options for a master's degree. And then there's a master's degree plus THD option, or if you've got the master's degree in theology, the THD option. Yes. And then there's an opportunity that I think is very special that, um, that our endowed women might be interested in, which is the mentorship. So yes. I'll, let you, I'll let you talk about that, okay. but also want to tell endowed women that even if none of these apply to you, I'm sure you know somebody where this might be the answer for them. So please right. uh, be generous with uh, spreading the word. Yeah, so we we have an unusual way of setting up the research process so typically um, somebody who went for their research they have an advisor who's appointed in-house and um, is a, a close associate who leads them through the, the process and there's a close working relationship there well um, we have split that up in many ways to, to a supervisor and then an advisor um, and the supervisor is in-house, so that's Dr. at the moment, is most likely to be Dr. Arielle Harms, who's our academic dean of theology, and she oversees the process and she's available to answer questions as well. But uh, what we also do is encourage all the research students to get, the, and, or they have to get an advisor, who's somebody who they choose from outside the university and we don't play any part in the, the nature of that relationship. Um, how that works is down to you and your advisor. But what happens is that people have friends or a, a, perhaps a professor who they worked with in a school in the past who they're very, very close to. And both and that person would want to help people in this way. And so it's somebody who has done um, a graduate level thesis and has some sort of specialism in the research topic and so can work with the, the person helping them to produce the thesis and we very often when students come to us and they enroll they they do have in mind somebody you know, they, they know there's a priest they know who um, is a specialist in this and would love to be involved in yeah, because from the point of view of the advisor, this is lots of interesting conversations, and the other person does the work, if you like. Um, <laughs> it should so, be true, the consulting. Yeah, the, consulting the other person gets the, gets the kudos for submitting right. as well. But, um, but uh, sometimes people say, I just don't know where to go. And it was Ariel, actually, uh, uh, Ariel Harms, who said, well, actually, I, I think I know quite a lot of stay-at-home moms who have te you know, theology doctorates and would love to do something like this. Uh, it would give them a chance to, uh, they'd find it stimulating and give them mm -hmm. a chance to be involved academically and intellectually. And so it occurs to, to me, I and mean, when we were talking, it occurred to us that there may be people that now who'd be interested in this and were interested in being available. Yep. Um, and so uh, that's, I just thought this is great because this yeah. encourages uh, a personal vocation in combination with other responsibilities in life, whatever they may be. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, do you have to have, yeah, do you have, do they have to have the doctorate? Can they have a, a master's? And it, it can be master's, but if it was master's, they need to have a special, demonstrate. Demonstrate a specialty in that. A specialty yeah. as, as, as well, at least. Um, typically, it's going to be doctorate, but it doesn't have to be. If there's um, somebody with a specialism, as, as I say, that, that would do, because Ariel Harms fulfills the criteria, and she is involved with each right. Right. And we have a number we have a number of um, endowed women who are also retired with higher education Terrific. in theology and 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 reach out to me and want to serve in some way and I don't know where to point them to but but they're such gems and treasures and resources so I want to give yeah. you know as you were saying before when you know before we hopped on that that we want to kind of build networks where we can connect people yes uh, to you know with their gifts and charisms their personal vocation and like the need and so this would be a great this is this could be a great alliance yes and and the the other thing is you just don't know what doors it opens once you start to pursue this calling even a little bit things happen uh, that's my experience yeah. i want to tell you actually a really lovely story i don't know if you've got this far in the book um but I, I was studying for a while in Florence. Uh, and again, I was on this path. I, and it's a whole story as to how I got there. But there was a, um, an American who was a late vocation, and um, he'd been a, a Yale, he was a priest at the Duomo in Florence, part of the Italian church. He was bilingual, um, he was a late vocation, and he had been an art history professor at Yale. And I think that's my phone. Can you hear that? I do hear that. And I do, I have yeah, gotten to okay. that part in the book. Um, but I, I'm glad you're telling this story. Yeah, okay. Um, so what happened was that... Uh, I'll switch my phone off. It was ringing suddenly. Um, so everybody was trying to get to see him, all these people studying in Florence. And he was very good at keeping them at arm's length because there were... You know, there were thousands of people studying art there and wanted a career and thought he'd give them a leg up. Anyway, by coincidence, I met a bishop who was interested in the culture and he said to me, look, mention my name and you'll have to see you. He owes me a favour. <laughs> and, and he did. And I don't know that that was the only reason, but he, he, um, he uh, saw me. And I started to describe... So he said, why do you want to see? I said, well, look, I, I'm interested in creating art schools. I've got this idea. Um, can I tell you about it? And I'd like to know whether you think it will work. And I knew how to, this is my passion. I've been thinking about this for years. It was not difficult for me just to talk about it. And I was away, you know, so I spoke for 10 minutes and I'm pretty sure I appeared pretty passionate and pretty driven. And he listened to me and I could see him sort of smiling as I was, talking so i don't really know what he saw but he saw something yeah um and he he came back at me with one or two suggestions and said uh and then he said uh i think you should do this and i said oh why he said that because i'm pretty sure this is your personal vocation this is your uh -huh. part of your calling um and he said, and I'm not in a position to help you. And I thought, oh, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> but I know that this is something you should follow. And he said, and I can't even guarantee that you'll be successful in following this. 
But he said, what I am certain of is that if you do this, you will be fulfilled. You will feel uh, enlivened. You, I, I can't remember the phrase he used exactly, but um, you will be um, passion, you know, the passion that you have for this will make you feel fulfilled. And that's because of that, you will draw people to the church. Oh. And he said, and that is your personal vocation. It is to draw others to Christ. It's not to open an art school primarily. That might happen along the way. That was definitely a little light bulb that went off in my head when I was, re when I was reading uh, A Vision for You is, is, is to frame the personal vocation in the thing that you do that gives you life, yeah. that fulfills desire, but that that's measured by how it is how you will draw people to Christ and yeah. to his church. So I just thought that was a beautiful category. And he said to me, you may have no idea ever that you've pulled one person to the church, but I'll guarantee you that it'll happen. Um, because they may not tell you. It may sow the seed that won't germinate until 15 years later or something like that. And I immediately thought of the people who'd influenced me. Many of them were just just did little things that mm -hmm. had an impact. And I remembered them 20 years later when I came into the church. So yeah. Well, that's amazing. And, and it's okay. So give us your contact information for, okay. for women who are watching this and who are inspired and want to learn more about the, the mentorship or the classes or the programs. How can okay. they, how can they reach you? Right. So, um, first of all, Pontifex University, is www.pontifex.university so all the w's pontifex.university um, you can always email me there if you've got questions as well um, the other place is my blog thewayofbeauty.org um, and uh, i will actually put the notes to this i'm going to post this on my blog as well i have a podcast great, great. <coughs> excuse me and um, so there'll be some contact information there, and you, you can see it there. Wonderful. So it's thewayofbeauty.org. Fantastic. And uh, any other thoughts before we conclude our conversation? And I'm so grateful to talk to you today, David, about all these exciting opportunities. No, um, except to say, if you're listening to this, well, it's no, and then, of course, yes. So <laughs> one thing is a First of all, I'm always happy to hear people and you know, you've got ideas. Um, if you go through the book, it's quite long and detailed. And so don't be scared to ask me questions. I, I thought about this and I made, I, I made it very, very long in the hope that um, people might actually come to this, not primarily through the book. The book would be an aid to personal connection. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, that's something that people may discover if they, if they do this, the Vision for You process. The book is called The Vision for You. I have to look up the subtitle, How to Discover the Life You Were Made For. So there it is. It's on Amazon. Or you can get that through the way of beauty.org. But if it's, if it's something that really fires you up, as it did for me, um, there's a there's a great joy in, sh in showing people this process, um, just showing people the, the process of discovering their vocation. Um, 
I love that about the book, the recommendation to have a mentor as you go through the book. Yeah. Um, which I need to find one because, you know, as I've been reading along, cause I kind of thought, Oh, I'll just, I'll just read it, you know, but now as I'm getting more and more into it, as I'm getting deeper into the text, I think, Oh, I, I actually need one. And then maybe I'll be one. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you mentioned that here before. we. Yeah. Well, one of the, I would say that my, I, I almost feel now that my, the, the higher part of my mission is actually this and trying to get this spirituality into the church because it promotes happiness and joy. Um, yeah. And that the paradox, if you like, is that the more that I, I, I find that the more I'm involved in passing that on, the more jo joyful I become, the better my life is too. Um, and so I have a sense that that will be true for all of you listening to this and watching this as well. That's wonderful. Thank you, David. Thank you for the conversation today. And I, I can't wait to uh, get this out. Pleasure. You've been listening to the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. If you enjoyed this episode, then please give us a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others to find it too. Also, if you're interested in delving more deeply into the material that we discuss, you can do a course at the Pontifex University website. That's pontifex.university. Thank you.